Holy cow, all of you mother chuckers. We made it to the season finale. That's right. This is Go Chuck Yourself. Season 2, episode 22. We are talking about Chuck versus the ring. It's about to go down in here, folks. Uh, before we get started, just wanted to remind you that you can send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at gochuckpodcast. I think it's um it's definitely important to follow us on Twitter for updates, especially now uh, as season two is winding down. We're going to be getting ready for season three, but we will be taking a little bit of a break. So if you want to stay up to date with all Go Chuck Yourself news during the break, make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can also subscribe to our show here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you don't miss out. There's one more episode after this. It's the season two uh, ultimate recap, as well as a discussion of the DVD bonus features of season two. Aaron and I are going to be uh, weighing in with our definitive opinions on season two. You don't want to miss out. That is next week. But right now, this is Chuck versus the ring. Here we go. Chuck yourself, listeners. It's the season finale of season two of Chuck. The 22nd episode, 222, Chuck versus the Ring. The Japanese film? Stay away from those TVs, Chuck. You don't want to be captured by that that girl that's crawling Samara, right? Is that her name? Sure. My name is Chris Gillespie. <laughs> My name is Aaron Harada. And we are the hosts of this of this episode of Go Chuck Yourself. It's a very special episode. Uh, happy to be hosting it. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> Thanks. This is this is a nice speech. I didn't prepare anything. Well, I figured that it's you know it's an episode about a wedding, the wedding speeches, toasts. Dearly beloved, if anyone... we are gathered here today to celebrate this episode of Chuck. Pretty if good? anyone ha- op- opposes this union between us and this episode of Chuck, please speak now or forever hold your peace. Oh no, Taylor Swift is here and she's speaking now. Just like in our first episode. Or one of our first episodes when I referenced her. That's a throwback. Yeah. That's a throwback. I think about that a lot. I feel like I peaked with that joke. On season one, episode two of Go Check yeah, Yourself. I did. Everything else has just been coasting downhill from <laughs> there. Um yeah. Pretty exciting. It's the season finale. Yeah, I know. I um I couldn't believe it when we I think we hit episode 20, and I was like, wow, that seems like a lot of episodes to have watched. And then I like realized that we had two left, and I was like, wow, it's been a journey. Pat ourselves on the back for watching television and then talking into a computer about yeah. it. Yeah! We did it. We did it. Hope everyone, uh, please send your congratulations to us uh, via tweet or via email. Or via uh, money order. Venmo. Via, Venmo, via go Venmo. chuck yourself. Don't Venmo go chuck yourself, because we don't know who that is. Uh, way to go, Aaron. Not a, us. Or you, or you can if you want to send. Go check yourself, money. I don't, I don't know who that is, but it could be someone. I guess so. We can't endorse it, but I guess we can't stop you from doing that. Yeah. Uh. So yes, very, very happy to uh to have finished the season. It's not the finale of our season. We'll be doing a season two wrap up slash DVD bonus feature special episode following this episode the the next week. I. I suppose the so it's not 
the point is we still have more time even though the season two is coming to an end and then ultimately eventually we will get to season three at some point i don't know when that's going to happen but it will yep, happen you're soon. not rid of us yet ish um season three did you know shorter than season two no how many episodes is it it's like 19 oh wow okay well uh, i won't be getting to 20 episodes of that then i guess but then season four longer than season two but then season five shorter <laughs> than both of them yep shorter than ev- all of the seasons actually i think even season one i think so i think season five is like six episodes or something yeah well that's that's way that's off a in the problem future for, for another day that's right a problem right now is season two episode 22 chuck versus the ring and boy there are a lot of problems there are a lot of problems this wedding just does not want to happen it is a no, it wacky doesn't. wedding the original title of this episode was chuck versus the wacky wedding a lot of people pretty don't good know title that. don't know why they changed it are you ready for me to start i am ready for you to start are you yeah. the listener ready for her to start here we go the episode begins with Chuck and Casey actually at the Buy More. I know, I was shocked too. Put it in the hours. As I pass by the other green shirts and nerd herders, everyone stares at them. It was a little alarming, but I guess the reason they're staring is because Chuck enters Emmett's office, which now has a Buy Moria flag up instead of Big Mike's Marlin, and Chuck begins a speech about getting something off his chest. Emmett thinks Chuck might be propositioning him, but Chuck clarifies that he's just quitting. Casey pokes his head in and says ditto, which I liked. And then Emmett shouts, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? And Chuck says, anything I want. We cut to Beckman asking Chuck about his future plans, which is a little bit more intimidating. Chuck's only immediate plans are to attend his sister's wedding. Beckman offers Chuck a job working as an analyst for the CIA with the new Intersect project, but Chuck turns her down. He tells Casey to give Chuck his final papers before leaving Burbank for his next mission. She requests to speak to Sarah for a moment more. Upstairs in the Orange Orange, Casey gives Chuck a check. Finally, Chuck gets paid, and apparently it's a large amount because Chuck goes, Yowza, or something along those lines. <laughs> Casey says, Sorry, to uh, to refresh for people who maybe you've forgotten, but Chuck at this point does not have the intersect in his right, head. Yes. Yeah, last uh, episode, he got that out of there. So he is he is free. He is back to his regular life. And and in addition to that, everyone is happy. Like Sarah and Casey, everyone seems to be good with it. Like they didn't get there. Everyone's on board. It's not like Chuck got the intersect out of his head and it's a big problem. Like everyone is happy that Mission Bartowski has come to a a resolve. Yes. Casey says that if Chuck was a true patriot, he wouldn't even cash the check. Maybe a true patriot wouldn't cash it, but I think a true American capitalist would. Doesn't Casey love Reagan and his trickle-down economics plan? Come on, Casey. <laughs> That's a good point. Anyway, Chuck thanks Casey for saving his life at least once a week. It's kind of a sweet moment. Chuck's attempt at a hug doesn't go over great, but Casey does say that Chuck has done great work and gives him a business card, which is just completely blank except for a phone number. I wonder if Casey printed them on Moo.com, like me when I printed my business cards. Is this an ad for Moo.com that we're in currently? My listeners can get so much off of Moo.com. No, you can't. I'm sorry. If Moo.com does one, that, that's what it would sound like if this was a Moo.com ad. That you're just individual listeners? Yeah, have you, you ever have... noticed that? Like podcast hosts, like the copy that they give them that's the call to action says like, my listeners can get 15% off. But even if it's like a podcast that has multiple hosts, they still say my listeners. Oh, really? Yeah, I always notice that. I don't know if anyone else notices that. <laughs> you would think it would just be our listeners. Yeah, it's a pretty easy change, but a lot of well, times. 
If you were listening to Go Chuck Yourself and you mute it whenever I talk, but only listen to Aaron when she talks, then I guess you are Aaron's listener. Like most listeners. Um, (laughs) The line on the business card is Casey's personal line, but he tells Chuck that his fingers better be on fire when he's dialing. Meanwhile, Beckman tells Sarah she'll be heading the new Intersect project because of all her experience with Chuck, I guess. And then we get a twist that I really wasn't prepared for, because apparently this whole time, Suits' Matt Bomber has just been in Castle, just out of frame. Yeah, where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> I don't know, but he's there. He's and there, and he's just being casual, like he's yeah, going through like a he's closet been there the or whole something. Time. Like, why didn't Chuck acknowledge that Bryce was there? <laughs> was he here for the entire second half of the second <laughs> season? Like, <is laughs> I he... think so. Yeah, he was just standing there. <laughs> Do you think he could have helped with, like, all the stuff that was going down with, like, trying to rescue Steven and Nope, he didn't help with that. He was busy. He, he didn't even have, like, a dramatic entrance. Like, usually, Matt Bomber <laughs> usually has a pretty exciting kind of yeah. intro. Instead, he's just like, yep, no, I'm here, too. And you're like, what? It's very disorienting. So Beckman says Bryce and Sarah will be working as a team, and they'll ship out to Zurich in the morning. Bryce says, finally, you can get out of here. But Sarah looks like she has qualms about this. Much like me, realizing that I did not just sense Bryce's presence in the background. They can't just, like, spring this kind of thing on me. I need to prepare for Matt Bomber in an episode. (laughs) After the credits, we cut to Devin and Ellie's wedding day. So we're not wasting any time here. Chuck walks down the church aisle to tell Devin that everything is going to be perfect, and he excuses himself to talk to Ellie. At first, Devin's mom won't let him in because it's bad luck to see the bride. I don't know. I didn't think that that was a thing if you were the bride's brother, but... She says it is. Ellie says to let Chuck in. Chuck sees Ellie in her dress and he's awestruck. He's proud of her for making her dreams come true. He tells her that he doesn't know what he's going to get her for her wedding, which is weird because it is the wedding day. I feel like you typically get a gift in advance. He tells her he quit the buy more and she's thrilled. She asks him about his future plans and he says he isn't sure yet. She looks around at her wedding and says, I made my dreams come true. What are you going to do about yours? I understand that that's, like, kind of the theme of the episode is, like, dreams and, like, pursuing them or not pursuing them and what gets in the way. But I feel like the way that they phrase this is weird because it implies that Ellie's only dream that she's ever had is just to have a perfect wedding. And she, like, established early this season that, like, she never really thought about her wedding day. She never really had any preferences. She only wanted her dad to be there. So I guess that dream has come true. But, like, it's kind of weird where he's just, like, look at you in your wedding dress you've made your dreams come true and she's like i made my dreams come true with this wedding like she she's a doctor like that was that's probably a dream as well i don't know i just thought this was weird <laughs> i think like it, the the same thing could have been accomplished if chuck walked in and said wow ellie you look beautiful i'm so happy for you and then she said yes i am so happy today i hope you are able to find your own happiness like that would be the same thing but like without the weird like connotations, so that was I, I was weird. under I was under the impression that it was all women's dream to get married. I thought that's all what the women most could, important day of your life. I thought that's what women aspired to was to have a wedding and then just they mentally check out for the next sixty years. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sarah arrives in her bridesmaid dress, and Chuck asks to talk to her for a moment as well. She tries to cut him off from the speech he's obviously about to make, but he tells her he can't wait. He says he doesn't know what he wants to do with his future, but he wants her to be a part of it, and he invites her to take a vacation with him. Man, <laughs> Sarah is really living the dream because all these attractive men are just offering her vacations. Where do I sign up for that? <laughs> Not even just offering, but like begging, like, please yeah, go on please. vacation with me. 
<laughs> she's Sarah like, no, I don't want to go on vacation. Sarah does seem mollified by the offer, but she tells him she's leaving in the morning. And I think, like, rightly so, because, like, maybe I'm not giving Chuck enough credit here, but I think it's kind of crazy that he, like, he thinks that Sarah's going to stay now that the intersect's out of his head. Like, I know it's been kind of, like, I know he's mentioned this before, and, like, maybe there's been a little bit of, like, miscommunication, but, like, she is a government employee, and she has no reason to be there anymore. Like, I don't know if he's thinking that she'll just, like, put in for, like, a permanent position, like, in L.A., and they'll, like, continue dating, or if it's, like, like, she's a spy. Like, what does he think she's gonna do? Just quit her job and, like, live with him? I don't think he's thinking with his mind. I'm thinking he's thinking with (laughs) the body part that failed to find a condom in the last week's episode. And is so desperately seeking that condom now that it's just like, just like the, uh, the movie poster for The Ugly Truth starring Gerard Butler and Katherine Heigl, where there's like two little, there's a woman and a man and the woman has the heart in her head and the man has the heart in his penis area. There you go. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Not that Chuck um, doesn't care about Sarah, but, um, you know, maybe maybe he's not thinking about the logistics as thoroughly as you are. That's fair. Sarah tells Chuck that she can't tell him where she's going, but she's going to be working with Bryce. I'm all for honesty, but I feel like she she could have probably left that bit out. <laughs> Chuck is floored and thanks her for coming to the wedding. Then he leaves, kind of disappointed or distraught. I don't know. Very sad. Here's another thing. Wasn't Bryce supposed to be deep, deep undercover? Like, is it just because Fulcrum is no more that he could come out? Or like, did they actually know where he was and just like could have contacted him to help at any time? The rules of Bryce in this episode are fast and loose and don't worry about what Bryce is doing this episode. I think you're right. Chuck walks out of the church and into the reception hall. He picks up an open bottle of champagne that was on a table for some reason. I feel like they should have waited to open that because it's going to go flat. Like, the ceremony is long. But he begins drinking. He sits down and notices something odd under a table. I was confused and had to rewind this because I was like, what is he noticing? Because he just kind of like sits down and then suddenly like looks under the table. But I think the like the suggestion is that he like kicked something or whatever. Okay. You don't. I mean, I know whenever I sit down at a table, I always look underneath it immediately. Just to make sure. Just yeah. always be sure. Whenever you yeah. see a tablecloth, you're like, hey, what's going on down there? Yes. Yeah. Get down and lift it up over your head. So he he does. He does that. He lifts up the tablecloth and there's two dead waiters under the table who seem to have been shot. As Chuck sits up, Ted Rourke sits down. Chuck says, Ted Rourke. And Rourke says, no, I'm Ted Rourke. <laughs> doesn't really make sense. Uh, but basically he says that if Chuck doesn't get him the intersect cube in the next 40 minutes, he's going to kill Ellie. He adds 10 minutes to that time for traffic. So hopefully this church is in Burbank right next to Castle because otherwise Chuck's not going to be back in time. Is that not enough buffer for traffic? Ten minutes? I don't think so. I mean, I mean it's it depends what day. Like, is this like I'm assuming they're getting married? Like, they're getting married on a weekend, so mm-hmm. like traffic's going to be heavier. Well, it was a nice gesture. I don't think most villains would offer buffer time for traffic. So that's fair. Thanks, thanks, Rourke. No, I'm Ted Rourke. I don't know why he said that. That was so stupid. As <laughs> well, Chuck no, is leaving, like, if it's like Chuck is introducing himself, like Ted Rourke, you know. Yeah, but that's not how he says it. I don't know. Um, As Chuck is leaving, he runs into Morgan, who I guess Ellie invited out of pity. Chuck tells Morgan to find Sarah and tell her that Chuck forgot the wedding rings and went home to get them, which is sort of a code because Chuck showed the wedding rings to Sarah earlier, so she'll know something is amiss. 
It's not a very good code, though, because, like, how is Sarah supposed to know exactly what is wrong? Like, I guess she can just assume it's Fulcrum because it's always Fulcrum, but, like, Chuck says he's going home to get the rings, but he doesn't go home. He goes to Castle. So how is Sarah supposed to know anything that would help him? Yeah, like, him losing the rings doesn't really convey a sense of urgency or, like, what threat level we're at for yeah. what's going on. Yeah, like, I get, like... She saw that she saw that he had the rings, so she would know that this is like a code for something, but she wouldn't know what for. But um, also, she knows Chuck, so she would know yeah, that it's true. possible that he lost the rings <laughs> in the three minutes that <laughs> yeah, have taken place point. since then. Morgan says he'll stall the wedding, so no one knows Chuck is gone. As Chuck runs off, Morgan goes to the bridal suite. At first, Devin's dad, who is standing guard, won't let Morgan in, but then Sarah comes out, and Morgan manages to deliver his message. Sarah tells Morgan to stall the wedding by any means necessary. Meanwhile, Chuck calls Casey. Casey's on a plane to the Middle East, I think, but this is not why he doesn't answer. No, his phone still rings, but Casey is too busy having some vaguely sexist camaraderie with fellow soldiers. <laughs> Chuck gets back to Castle and explains the situation to Bryce, who he is not surprised to see there because he knew that he was there, but whatever. Uh, Bryce immediately agrees to come back to the church with Chuck because Fulcrum thinks that he is the intersect. This will protect Chuck's family and keep Rourke from getting the cube. Bryce also reveals that he knew all along about Chuck's dad being Orion. Apparently, Stephen wanted to keep Chuck out of all of this, but he trusted Bryce to protect Chuck. Then Bryce sort of took matters into his own hands by sending Chuck the intersect and getting him all embroiled. But he did it because Chuck deserved to know that his dad is a hero. I think, honestly, like, Bryce is a really good guy. Like, yeah. he... He kind of takes uh, he he takes some leaps. He maybe oversteps his boundaries a little bit, but like he doesn't hesitate to protect Chuck's family. Like he's just like, yes, I will go and use myself as bait, essentially. Mm -hmm. So pretty good. Back in the church, Devin's family expressed their worry that Chuck and Sarah are both missing. Stephen overhears this and he runs off too. Devin's parents tell him that the Bartowskis are a really weird family. Pretty harsh. I mean, probably true, but pretty harsh to say to your son who's about to marry one of them. Yeah, it's, a, it's an apt description. Um, in the hallway, Stephen finds Sarah, who tells him Rourke and his men are in the reception area. Stephen asks if Sarah brought a gun, but she didn't. He consults his wrist computer thing, which he apparently still has, and it tells him exactly where the men are and how Sarah can get to them without being spotted. I was kind of confused about the mechanics of the computer thing, because like he pulls it up and he like looks at his wrist, and there's like dots where all the fulcrum people are. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like just like, heat sensors of where people are. I don't really know how the wrist computer works, but I, don't, I also don't know why he wasn't monitoring it to see, like, if it can tell where Fulcrum is. I don't know why he wasn't looking at it before. I don't know why he brought it to the wedding. There's a lot of confusion, but he has that. Um, <laughs> back in the main church area, Morgan rushes the altar where a microphone just happens to be set up. I don't think, like, wedding officiants usually talk into microphones. I feel like it's usually more of, like, an altar situation. But there's just, like, a standing mic there, as if uh, for a musical performance. He says he has some pre-wedding entertainment for everyone and invites Jeffster to the stage. Jeff and Lester come up with their instruments, but they also seem, like, they kind of play it as a little shock that Morgan is bringing them up. And they're like, ah, I think, I think we might have a song for this occasion. I, like, it was just kind of weird. But we cut to the crowd, and we find out that Big Mike, Morgan's mom, and Anna are also in attendance at the wedding. It was so nice of Devin and Ellie to invite their little brother's boss. Yeah, I was trying to figure that one out, too, because I was like, is it 
did they invite Morgan and then they invited Morgan's mom? But Ellie at no point has ever alluded to knowing who Morgan's mom is. Yeah. But I guess if they're like family friends, so then Big Mike is there as Morgan's mom's date and then Anna's there as Morgan's date. Yeah, I like I think that makes the most sense, but it was still like it feels like the reason for them being there is like because the show involves them and of course they'd be there because they're in every scene, but like yeah. I did like I stepped back too and I was like, wait a second. This doesn't make sense. Like, I'm used to seeing them on the screen, but they yeah. shouldn't be here for now. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should just, like, if I ever have to get married, I should start acquainting myself with my sister's boss, just in yeah, case I have to invite on that. them. Jeff begins singing Mr. Roboto with an extremely modified robot voice. I'm not sure why the church microphone would have that setting or how he's doing it, but he does. Devin confronts Morgan about the whole Jeffster, Jeffster performance. He's like, what the hell are you doing? But Morgan tells Devin that Chuck told them to stall the wedding. So Devin, now knowing from last week that Chuck is a spy, relaxes a bit and takes this a little bit more seriously because he knows that Chuck is probably has a very good reason for this. Mm-hmm. Back in the bridal suite, Ellie notices Sarah's disappearance and hears the Jeffster music and starts to worry. She sends the rest of her nameless, personality-less bridesmaids out to go see what's <laughs> going on. It's like, oh, yeah, all of Ellie's super close friends. Meanwhile, Sarah has ripped off the bottom of her bridesmaid's dress in order to make it better equipped for ass kicking. She sneaks around the banquet hall where Vork and his men are waiting. Devin's father comes up to uh, Devin while the Jeffster song is going on. And he says, why are you letting Sam Kinison and an Indian lesbian ruin your wedding? And then he pounds from a flask. Uh, Do with that what you will. (laughs) That's yeah. Thank you for uh, adding that in. I thought that Sarah was getting ready to fight Rourke and the Fulcrum agents, uh, you know, who are now dressed as waiters. But apparently she just wants to open Ellie and Devin's presents early. Which I mean, is very don't you whenever you're Sarah. at a wedding, you're like, oh, I want to know what those presents are. God, I got to open the presents. I can't help myself. So she's um, rummaging through the packages and ripping off paper and stuff because she's got to know. She wants to know. know. It's a mystery. You know, she's she sees presents and she doesn't quite understand that they're not always for her. So. She's just opening them up. Yeah, that's a little known fact about Sarah Walker. Seemingly unimpressed by the waffle maker that she found, uh, Sarah continues to rip open the packages. Chuck storms into the banquet hall and tells Rourke to stay away from the cake if he wants to see the Intersect 2.0. Sarah eventually finds a present that she likes, which is a set of newly sharpened steak knives. She takes them out of the box as Chuck presents Rourke with not the Intersect, but an Intersect. Bryce walks in looking all cool and shit, and Rourke says, ah, the human intersect. Bryce suggests that he and Rourke get out of there, leaving the Bartowskis alone, but Rourke says that Fulcrum specifically wants Chuck dead regardless, so the agents make to shoot Chuck when Bryce shouts, now, Sarah, and Sarah Sarah throws one of her signature knives at the gunman, and the Fulcrum agents all scatter. Pretty cool shootout sequence begins, Sarah and Bryce firing bullets and knives at the Fulcrum agents, blowing up the banquet hall flowers and glassware in the process. Much to Chuck's chagrin, eventually, Sarah and Bryce run out of ammo and Fulcrum holds them up. As the Fulcrum agents usher Chuck towards Rourke, Chuck looks at this destroyed wedding food and decorations and says, just shoot me now. To which Rourke responds, I can help you with that, as he primes a shotgun. Rourke then comments how this is a real shotgun wedding and then adds that this terrible pun will be the last thing Chuck ever hears. All hope seems to be lost at this point, but wait. As this is going on, Chuck sees a flock of Marines parachuting down into the banquet hall through the skylight. 
Casey leads his team of Marines in kicking Fulcrum's ass all around the banquet hall in a firefight that really, truly wrecks the banquet hall. It really does. It's destroyed. Chuck watches on as the giant ice sculpture falls to the ground, smashing into many pieces. He looks at Casey and Casey responds, you rang. Meanwhile, Rourke is trying to escape the gunfight and Steven cuts him off in the hallway and says, hi, Ted, before socking him in the face, knocking him unconscious. And then... Then the camera like zooms in on his face, like just for like a second. But it like it's like he punches him in the face, and then it zooms in. And I don't know like why it did that. It, it was very weird. It's like I've been waiting to do that for twenty years. Yeah, I feel like that was like it seemed like there should have been text under it that tells like Stephen went on to become a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> when it, like it was a, it was weird. Uh, this whole time has been the music has been Mr. Roboto from Jeff Sir yes. that has scored the entire scene. So I guess we're hearing the entirety of Mr. Roboto. Um, yeah. Devin is tasked with pretending to enjoy the Jeff Sir performance, which I thought was kind of funny. He's like standing there, like trying to rock out while everyone else <laughs> is like shaking their heads and just pissed off. Yeah. Ellie eventually leaves the bridal suite and sees Chuck and Sarah running down the hallway. She asks what's going on, and Chuck assures her that it was just a minor issue with the centerpiece when Jeff and Lester finish their performance with a big finale, uh, which involves Jeff igniting two flares in the middle of the wedding, causing the fire alarms and sprinklers to go off. Everyone, including Ellie, Chuck, and Sarah, are doused in ice-cold water, and Ellie cries, Wedding cancelled! It was pretty sad. It was truly one wacky wedding. (sighs) And that's how the episode ends. Chuck walks on screen and says, and it was truly one wacky wedding. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And he just shrugs. And then yep. he he uh, pulls out he, his pockets from the outside and like just shrugs. He's like, I don't got any money. My pockets are empty. That was the wacky wedding. Stay tuned for season three, Chuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> later that day, Chuck and Steven are hanging out in Chuck's room commiserating about how much of a failure the wedding was um although i think they're really you know they're upset but at the same time like they really should be excited that they kept ellie alive because yeah. was gonna kill ellie so the exactly. fact that she's still alive is and he's a, captured a fulcrum is like pretty much gone now so yeah if anything the wedding was a big success yeah in a lot of ways exactly. you know chuck bemoans the fact that he ruined ellie's wedding and steven says that chuck didn't have a choice he had to save ellie regardless Sarah enters at this point and asks if Chuck is okay, and he says no. He doesn't want to have to save his sister using a special forces team. He just wants to be a normal guy who helps his sister in normal ways. At this point, Chuck doesn't have a flash, just a good old natural revelation. He pulls out his paycheck from the government and examines it before handing it to Sarah. He asks Sarah if she has time for one more mission, and she says it's not what a normal guy would do. As this is happening, Casey is putting Rourke into a holding cell in Castle, when he gets a phone call from Sarah, Casey is incredulous about whatever Sarah is uh, saying to him over the phone, but eventually says, copy that before leading his squad out of castle. Chuck tries to talk to Ellie, who's wearing her wedding dress in the bathtub while drinking champagne from the bottle. Apparently, this is something that the Bartowskis do. That's uh, that's what I aspire to do. You could you could make this happen. You can get a wedding dress for cheap from Goodwill and get some champagne. You could do this like next week if you wanted. That's a really good point. Thank you. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to after this episode ends, I'm going to prepare your I mean, all of your friends and your boyfriend will certainly concerned about like where you're at mentally. But <laughs> you can make it happen if you want. 
Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, Chuck asks to speak to her. And also, we get to see, we're treated to another glimpse of Ellie and Devin's beautiful it's so bathroom. so nice. It's massive. They it's have huge. A, it's bigger than my apartment. They have a bathtub and then a, like a, a shower uh-huh. separate from yeah. each other. And then yeah. also we know that they have the his and her sinks. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Two doctors really. in a beautiful apartment. Um, <sighs> Chuck is so lucky. <laughs> Where I so distracted by the bathroom. Oh, Chuck asks to speak to Ellie, but Ellie just says that she just wants Chuck to go away. Um, Chuck kind of ignores this and still comes into the bathroom anyways. And Ellie says that she can't believe that Chuck's idiot friends ruined her wedding and she'll never forgive Morgan for this. Chuck says that she'll have to because they were only doing what he asked them to do. He explains that he forgot the rings and was trying to buy time and Ellie just doesn't believe him. She says, quote, you ruined the most important day of my life, end quote. Chuck, heartbroken, gives Ellie the rings and says that all she needs to do now is to hold on to the rings and he'll take care of the rest. We then cut to Inside Castle, where Casey is supervising his squadron of Marines as they struggle to order wedding flowers and find matching color swatches. It was pretty cute. Casey speaks to someone on the phone about acquiring a permit for national security reasons, and they kind of like push back at him, but he really stresses that he's going to get that permit. Uh, Turns out the permit in question is for a remote beach somewhere. Uh, It looks very nice. It looks very nice. It looks kind of like if you've seen, I know you haven't, but anyone who hasn't seen this episode of Chuck and wants to know what the beach looks like, it looks like the beach at the end of Big Little Lies. Yes. Well, that, or, would, that would make sense, right? Because it's probably. Yeah, probably like a California. Well, I mean, it's definitely a California beach. Anyhow, there's a very nice wedding happening at this beach. Uh, Ellie has a new dress now and a different hairstyle. Apparently, they were able to put that together pretty quickly. But yeah, the bridesmaids have new dresses. Everybody has new clothes, actually. Nobody's wearing the same thing that they were wearing for the original <laughs> wedding. Everyone has different clothes. And Ellie is, you know, Ellie had alluded earlier in this episode that she wanted just a small beach wedding. She never wanted like a big kind of church wedding. Mm-hmm. So this is more in her comfort zone. She has I think there's a little bit less fewer people there yeah. um, in attendance. However, big bikes still made the, the cut. <laughs> I was like, oh, so yeah, that makes sense. Like, Big Mike won't be here. Like, no, he's still there. He's still there. Morgan's he was mom one of Anna. the very important guests. I guess so. Someone who did not make the new abbreviated guest list is Bryce, uh, who <laughs> watches Sarah at the altar with binoculars from a distance. That was insane. I couldn't. I thought this was really funny. When the I, offici- yeah, I laughed so hard. <laughs> when the officiate of the wedding asks if anyone has a reason that Ellie and Devin should not be married, Bryce uses this like lull to page Sarah through her earpiece <laughs> while he's looking at her with binoculars from very far away. And he says, you're not coming with me, are you? And he just continues to watch her. Sarah doesn't really know what to say because once again, she's participating in a wedding and wasn't expecting to have this conversation. She just kind of shakes her head and Bryce sees this through his binoculars and uh, walks away. Yeah, Bryce. Bryce is just like I feel like extra is the only word to describe it. He's just like he's he's at like another level. He's at a twelve, and everybody else is at like an eight. I just love the binoculars. It's just so funny, like watching someone with binoculars from so far away. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Having planned and executed a successful wedding, Casey checks on uh, Rourke in the holding cell. He's still there, uh, and Casey tells the security guard that's watching him to keep an eye on Rourke. Uh, even though, you know, he's not doing anything. Once Casey leaves, the security guard, stone-faced, opens the door to Rourke's cell, and Rourke is intrigued. Ultimately, the security guard takes out a silenced pistol, much to Rourke's sad bemusement, 
and shoots Rourke right in the chest. Yeah, he's dead now. Bye, Trevi. <laughs> the wedding, on the other hand, goes off without a hitch, and Ellie and Devin are presented as Mr. and Mrs. Woodcomb. It was some crazy juxtaposition. Like, that was, like, I like juxtaposition, but this was wild. It was just, like, beautiful shots of the beach and kissing and everything, and then it was just, like, this man gets, like, shot point blank. This bloated old man, this this bloated washed up comedy star gets gunned down in this dark cell. Yep. And very, he's not good at, I don't know, his portrayal of him dying was not very good. He just like, yeah, got he shot just in the chest. Yeah, just like, sideways. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good impression. Back at Castle, Casey is hanging out, smoking cigars and playing poker with his Marine squadron when the security guard rounds the corner with the silenced pistol. Security guard watches Casey and then thinks better of shooting Casey in front of the other Marines. So he tells Casey that Rourke wants to speak with him in his cell. Casey goes to the cell to find Rourke's dead, bloated body. Casey immediately immediately knows that something is afoot, takes out his gun, and then hears the sound of the security guard shooting the other Marines uh, back at the poker game. Casey returns to the poker game, or the the scene of the once poker game, now the site of a massacre. Casey thinks that he has the upper hand, but then the security guard pistol whips him in the head and knocks him down. Casey's really getting pistol whipped a lot. Yeah, he is. These days. The security guard apologizes to Casey and Casey asks how long he's been with Fulcrum. But then the security guard says that he's not with Fulcrum. (gasps) What? Casey asks the security guard to just shoot him. He doesn't want to look into the eyes of someone who just murdered three Marines, to which the security guard says, yes, but they didn't save my life before pistol whipping Casey again, knocking him unconscious. Back at Ellie and Devin's apartment, the wedding reception is being held in the courtyard around the fountain, and everyone seems really happy. Once again, kind of jarring juxtaposition. Uh, Ellie thanks Chuck for putting all of this together and says that he's amazing and that she sometimes thinks that Chuck has superpowers. Devin says that Chuck saved the day and calls Chuck the big hero. Big Hero 6? Maybe. We'll find out. Love, love that movie. Devin says, thanks, bro. And Chuck says, now I really am your bro. It's a nice moment. Chuck sees Morgan standing alone and goes to congratulate him on his big move. Morgan expresses some actually fairly sympathetic concerns about leaving the life he knows behind to follow his dreams, but it doesn't exactly make sense because the way that he frames it is, should I just go with Anna? But like, technically, Anna's the one following him because it's his dream to move to Hawaii, so I don't know why he says it this way. That's fine. Chuck says, go with your heart, buddy. Our brains only screw things up. Much like uh, the poster of The Ugly Truth starring Katherine Heigl and Gerard Butler. Go with your dick, man. Our brains only screw things up. (laughs) Morgan does not need that advice. Don't tell him that. (laughs) Chuck dances with Sarah, still thinking that she's heading out in the morning. And who should be looking on from the shadows? But Bryce, he's still here. But he doesn't need binoculars this time. No, this time he's close enough. He's using his old eyes. It would have been funnier if he had the binoculars still. (laughs) Apparently, he's there to have a conversation with Stephen. Stephen tells Bryce that he recalibrated the intersect for Bryce under the condition that he leave Chuck alone. Bryce agrees to this. Stephen says he also noticed that the new intersect has been edited slightly from its original design. I don't know when he noticed that or who edited it or how, but whatever. Bryce tells him that, uh, Bryce tells Stephen that he doesn't want to know more. Just then, an agent shows up to take Bryce away. Stephen flashes on him and sees that he's supposed to be dead. But the Flash seems to take a lot out of him, and he collapses. What? Did you say Steven flashed? Yeah, I did. Steven flashed. Usually it's Chuck who flashes, but this time it was Steven. Steven had an intersect this whole time? 
I guess he did. We just never knew. Wow. That It really goes to show you that if you go through this world looking through Chuck's eyes, you're only going to see what Chuck sees. But if you expand your horizon, you might see what Steven sees, too, and it might surprise you. That was weirdly beautiful. <laughs> Back on the dance floor, Chuck tells Sarah that she should be out saving the world, but he's just not that guy. She disagrees and says she doesn't want to save the world. Before she can say what she does want, Stephen stumbles up and reveals that he has, in fact, had it intersect in his head this whole time. <laughs> uh, and he flashed on the agent who took Bryce. He says that the guy isn't actually CIA and was supposed to be dead. So this prompts Sarah to realize that if the bad guys know about Bryce and have captured him, they also know about Casey. She rushes off. Stephen tells Chuck not to follow, but he says he has to because he loves her. Stephen says he can't go with them, but he gives Chuck the Orion wrist computer. As Chuck joins Sarah and Casey, Bryce is led into a secret intersect location. That's actually what the subtitle says. We don't know. I mean, presumably it's in LA, but we don't know. Um, he laments out loud the fact that Sarah loves another man, but the agent is too busy pulling a gun on him. Before he shoots, the bad Marines guy, whose name is Miles, I don't think we established that, but the credits establish his name is Miles. Okay. He shows up and he says, Mr. Larkin. Bryce smiles and posts some badass agent choreography using... The bad agent has a human shield, etc., etc. He manages to get into the intersect vault and lock himself in. Meanwhile, Sarah and Casey enter into a fight with the bad guys in the hallway outside. They tell Chuck to go get help. I don't know from who or how he's going to do that, but uh, he doesn't listen, so it doesn't really matter. Instead, he uses his wrist computer to find his way through the vents in the ceiling into the intersect vault. He discovers Bryce, who begins another speech about what Sarah wants, but before he can finish and tell us what Sarah wants... It becomes clear that he's been shot and he's dying. So he has to pivot to tell Chuck that he has to destroy the new intersect because it's too powerful. Apparently, Fulcrum was just a small part of another group called the Ring. What? I thought I thought we just we defeated Fulcrum and now we have to go against more bad guys? Yeah, and they're called the Ring. Oh, uh, they're no. gonna use they're gonna use this new intersect for evil. Bryce gives Chuck a clear floppy disk that will destroy the new intersect. And I'm wondering, was was he going to do this the whole time? Like, was that his plan? Was he going to upload it to himself and then put the disc in? Or was it just going to destroy it? I don't really know what Bryce's plan was here. Um, Chuck tries to comfort and or save Bryce, but Bryce dies anyway. How do you think his death was compared to Chevy Chase's? <laughs> um, better than Chevy Chase's, but still not great, I guess, even though He's not Bryce... as bloated. <laughs> he just kind of, he does more of the, like... Um, like I'm looking at you and talking and now I'm just that, I guess that's what it would look like if you died I guess so but he he uh I don't know I wasn't I wasn't too impressed but yeah it's fine but he does he does uh you see his body later and he does keep his eyes open so there's that he does he uh I'll give him that alone in the room with an open-eyed corpse and a bloody floppy disk Chuck <laughs> approaches the intersect sounds like my kind of Saturday night <laughs> amen he then has a series of flashbacks to things like Sarah saying he's a hero, Beckman saying it's time to be a spy, Bryce saying Chuck wouldn't survive in the field, etc., etc. This all serves to inspire Chuck to, instead of destroying the intersect immediately, activate it and re-download it all into his head. He does that, and then he destroys it. Miles and the gang of bad guys rush in with Sarah and Casey in tow. When Chuck says he destroyed the intersect, they say for that they'll kill him last. Sarah is distraught to see that Bryce has died. When he, he and his friends are threatened, Chuck flashes, but it doesn't seem quite like the flashes in the past. I wonder what that's about. 
Hmm. One of the bad guys notices his face. I don't know what he notices, but he notices that Chuck has done something and tells Miles to come check Chuck out. They realize that he just flashed and he uploaded the new intersect to himself. Casey says, oh, Chuck me, which I appreciated. <laughs> Suddenly, Chuck begins fighting all the bad guys, like six of them at once with all these badass moves. He's like, he's suddenly a fighting expert, and we know that's not Chuck. So, Casey and Sarah are also surprised. They're looking on and off. Chuck incapacitates all the bad guys, and then he tells Casey and Sarah, I know Kung Fu, which is a line that I remember and I was waiting for, because um, it's a reference to the Matrix, Sarah. So Chuck knows Kung Fu, the new Intersect, it seems has some kind of physical component to it, and uh, that's the end. That's how that's how season two concludes. <sighs> and with a little title card that says, to be continued, dot dot dot. I know. So, do you think that they added that in once they knew they got renewed? Like, do you think they made the episode and then they were like, ah, we can say to be continued. I maybe or it was just a really cruel, unusual thing for them to do to people to be like, oh, I don't know if the show's coming back. Uh put to be continued. So people yep. are primed to think that it is coming back. Yeah. And then maybe it won't. Um yeah. That's that's it. That's season two. Chuck knows Kung Fu. Chuck knows Kung Fu. The and thing we- that I wonder, I mean, we'll get into this in season three, but the thing that always bothered me about like the fighting intersect and like those kinds of skills was like your muscles aren't trained to do those things. What no? do you mean? Like, oh, so you could know the technique, but you might just be physically very weak? Yeah, like, I can't... I can know the best way to lift a car, but I can't lift a car. Like, I can I can know how to do... I don't know, like, I just feel like... I mean, you have to make logical leaps here, that, like, the way the intersect work is, like, it shuts down any of your body's protests and also it's like strengthens your muscles so that you can do these things but you're not sore after like i don't i it always bothered me because i was like it like the people who can do actual kung fu practice kung fu all the time and you could like know how to do the kung fu that they're doing but in order to be able to like have the muscle capacity to do it you would have to like build up build that up over years you can't just have it Mm -hmm. chris damn it that's uh that's an interesting perspective. I haven't thought about the intersect like that. Wow, I thought everyone always thought this, so I was very excited to get to the uh I know Kung Fu because I feel like it when I looking back on Chuck, when I think about Chuck, I really think of season three as like prime prime Chuck time. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. I remember how season three ends, but I don't remember anything else of season three. So same. But I just am left with the impression that I enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to it. But that's a a discussion for another time. Uh, Season two finale covered it all. So I'd like to uh, move us in again to um, our plot keyword segment. Um, Maybe because it's the finale, this one has a grand total of 31 plot keywords. So I might not read all of them, but I am going to read you a couple. And as always, you will tell me, is this relevant or is it not? This is my favorite part. I love being able to make decisions and have and make choices. Veto power. Okay. <laughs> Champagne. Yes. Drink it out of the bottle. Kissing. Kissing? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you just said this, but drinking from the bottle. Hell yeah. Uh, close up of eye. You know, when I think of the season two finale of Chuck, I'm like, man, I can't wait to see that close up of an eye. I'm going to say no. That No. Okay, here's one that I'm pretty confused by. Ballroom dancing? No dancing takes place at this wedding. Hey, uh, woman in a bath. Yeah. 
Government check. Yeah, Chuck receives a paycheck. Sprayed with water. Yeah, people get doused with the sprinkler. C-130 Hercules. Is that the plane that Casey Maybe? was in? Maybe, I guess so. Somebody's just adding in the planes to all these episodes of Chuck. I appreciate it. We also have blackmail and contraband again. Hmm. I guess it's still blackmail, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, summary execution? Is that... Is that a phrase? Oh, you mean, oh, you like summary, like a recap. I thought you said summary, like you were making up an adverb based on summer. Oh, no. Like an S, <laughs> an execution that takes place at the summertime. Oh, so it means it's an execution in which someone doesn't get a trial. So that's what happens to work. Okay, so we'll, we'll take that one. Yeah. Um, setting off a sprinkler system. Yep. Paula Lily Boonier. Oh, that's the thing that I Casey, guess that's the, the Marines find? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reference to Sam Kinison. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. There's a reference to Sam Kinison. Okay, um, and then we have ritual. Who keeps adding ritual? I don't know. I mean, a wedding, I guess, is a ritual. It is, but is this when did we enter a sociology class? I don't want to think about weddings <laughs> as rituals. So, uh, there, yeah, there's a couple others in there, but, um, these are, these are the big ones. Those are the main ones. So, um, you said last week that we can add our own words. Yes, we can. I mean, I would have to, I would have to make an account to do that, but if you want to make some suggestions, we can. Okay. Can you, can you give me an IOU? Can you add a word after you make an account? Sure. Can you add to celebrate our season two? Can you add binoculars to this oh. episode? Yes, that would be wonderful. Because it is a crime that binoculars are not in there. Yes. Um. So I'm going to give our listeners a call to action and say, if you already have an IMDb account and you would like to add binoculars for us, that would be great. Um. If if that doesn't happen, then we will do it ourselves. Or if you want to add anything that we've said to any episode of Chuck. Yeah, that would be fun. And I guess let us or know if that you did that. You were the one who added one of these and you would like to tell us about it. Please let us know. Absolutely. Yes. Please tell us anything. Just write to us. We want to hear from you. Moving on to Chuck Mary Kill for this episode. One part of this episode that, oh, my God, there was a wedding in this episode. Somebody gets married and we're going to be doing Chuck Mary Kill. Oh, we are. About the wedding episode. It's crazy. And also a kill. People died in this episode. Yeah, that's this, true. This is the most relevant Chuck Mary Kill there has ever been. It really is. I thought this episode was the wacky wedding, but turns out it's Chuck versus Chuck Mary Kill. Who knew? Um, Aaron, who would you like to marry or what would you like to marry? My Mary is actually going to be the wedding. I know. I don't know. Like marrying a wedding is pretty crazy, but specifically the second wedding I thought was really beautiful. I really liked Ellie's dress. I really liked that, I don't know, Ellie got to literally have her cake and eat it too. Like, she got to uh, satisfy Devin's family with the, like, big wedding that they wanted, but then that didn't go well, and she got to actually have her dream wedding after things had gone wrong, and she was really stressed. And I thought that it was beautiful. I think Casey did a really good job. One thing that I do want to point out is, like, I'm sure this wedding was expensive. Like, I'm absolutely positive on that, but I also, like, Chuck can't have been paid that much if he used it all on this wedding. Like, right. either it was really, really expensive or Chuck only got, like, a couple grand. <laughs> so, maybe a hundred grand, I don't know. But I feel like Chuck deserved more money than that. Um, but, yeah, I thought that all the wedding stuff was nice, specifically this second wedding. 
And you just gotta love Bryce looking at Sarah through binoculars. Yes, I, I did love it. What about you? I guess the the beach wedding is part of my Mary, but mm-hmm. I it's very conceptual. My Mary is the homo- the homages to the first episode that are in this episode. Because oh, like- I think they are at the beach, just like in the uh-huh. first episode. There's the party in the courtyard, uh-huh. except Chuck is no longer an outcast at the party, mm-hmm. but he's like in the party with Sarah and he's mm-hmm. happy. Um, Bryce is obviously there. Yep. Uh, Chuck downloads an intersect. Um, That's a but, really good point. See, you're very smart and I didn't think about any of this. Well, I just think that it it is not the finale of Chuck, but I think at some point it may have been. And yes. I just like if it was going to be a resolution, I think it would have been a pretty satisfying resolution. Yeah. I'm glad that it's not the finale of Chuck and that there's more. But I think that they did tie up a lot of arcs that started in season one. Mm-hmm. Not that things are I mean, things are going to be ongoing, but I also appreciated that in this episode, Chuck confronts two of his greatest fears in that he throughout both seasons is that he's afraid of disappointing Ellie Mm -hmm. with his spy stuff or that he's going to hurt Ellie. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does in this episode. Obviously she doesn't get injured, but he ruins the wedding because of his spy duties. Um, And then also that he is afraid of being trapped as the intersect for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And he, over the course of the season, we've seen him gain the courage to be able to do these things without like crumbling so the fact that he was able to give Ellie a beach wedding because of all the spy work that he did and the money that he raised and using the government's resources, but also that he was able to, when confronted with the choice of like, am I going to destroy the intersect or am I going to download the intersect and then destroy it? He was like, I'm going to double down on my spy life and become the intersect 2.0. So what do you think? Like, why do you think he did that? Like, you think that he believed that the information was so powerful that someone should have it and he was the only one available? I think it's partially that because we see the flashback as it's happening where he's yeah. like all the people saying kind things about him, like yeah. being a hero and a spy and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, not. Yeah, I'm not totally sure why he just didn't destroy it in the first place, but I think he maybe was like used to being the intersect or he wanted to continue being the intersect to stay with Sarah or. Yeah. Who knows? But it was cool that he just he went for it. He wasn't yeah. afraid and he didn't destroy it. He just yeah, took I think it that on. was very powerful uh, for my kill. Um, this is similar to last week. I just kind of have something that I wish was developed more, which was like the the bad the bad ring guy whose name is Miles, who like betrayed Casey and shot Rourke and everything. Like, I don't I don't need to know everything about the ring. But it was just like, it seemed like that guy was very important and like that wasn't signaled at all, which is like, in some ways there's merit to it, I guess, that it just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. But also like, I don't know his relationship with Casey. He makes reference to Casey saving his life. Like there just seems like there could, they could have done more with that character um, or at least like said his name out loud or like anything. Like it was just weird. And especially since he's like, he doesn't look very different from anyone else that we've seen on this show. So I like I I was confused. Like it was hard to keep track of him and how he was different from the other Marines and like all these things. I just wish they gave some more distinctive features to this guy who was going to like play a pretty important role in the second half of the episode. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that- maybe it was their point to make him look generic. Like maybe it was just like. The ring is like insidious and everything. Like, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I just wish that that character was like a little bit 
more signaled as important. Maybe give it a name. You saying that gave me the idea of it would be interesting if I I do like what they did with like having the the marine being evil and doing yeah. that, but if they wanted to work with a pre-existing character who is already kind of mysterious, mm-hmm. they could have had Vincent come back and be mm-hmm. in that role. And then you're like, Vincent, I can't believe you're doing this for Fulcrum. And he's like, ha, I'm not working for Fulcrum. I'm working for the ring. Yeah, that exactly. That explain why Vincent has been in all these various episodes, because he was actually like a double agent. Okay, actually, know. you saying that has given me an idea. <laughs> um, and I kind of like, okay, so picture this. We're in, we're in Castle, mm-hmm. and we see some, so we don't see their face, but we see some person walking in, they, they unlock the door to the orange orange, they walk in, they walk into the freezer, they start walking down the stairs, they walk down the hallway to where, um, work is being held, and open the door, work looks up and says, you, and then who is it? It's Scooter! He's here! He shoots work in the face, and he's like, I was the ring the whole time. <laughs> that yep that's the the best edit that we can we i can think provide so. for that that yep. would be insane um <laughs> we miss you scooter <laughs> i for my kill my kill is a death i guess um i just wanted a little bit more attention placed on bryce's death because i felt yeah. like you know chuck is there as he's dying and then he doesn't really ha- like have any kind of emotions about it. But then Sarah comes in and sees that Bryce is dead and Sarah like really upset shouts yeah. like Bryce, no. Yeah. And she's like visibly upset. And then some people take his body away and she's like, yeah. don't touch him. Yeah. Um, But then we never see him again. Yeah. And then Sarah is basically fine after that. And they're just like, Oh, Chuck knows how to do Kung Fu now. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I felt like I wanted more of like an emotional response from Sarah. Yeah, and I I think, like, just Bryce's use in this episode in general, like, he just kind of did what the plot needed him to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think he did, he did what was asked of him. Like, Matt Bomber did a good job with it, but it was, like, I wasn't really clear on everything. And, like, from what I read in reviews, like, they had planned this the whole time, that, like, Bryce knew Steven, Bryce was trying to protect Chuck, like, all these things. Um, but it seemed like, it sh- it could have been a bigger deal when Bryce was like, yeah, I knew who your dad was this whole time, but I made this choice for you because I really believe that you are destined for greater things or like whatever. Like mm-hmm. I feel like there wasn't enough attention put on Bryce living or dead in this episode, especially like since he's not going to be in the show anymore, like because he's mm-hmm. dead. So it wasn't it wasn't really a fitting goodbye episode to Bryce. Some uh, some folks thinks that they had to kill off Bryce so he could start his new career on some program called White Collar, which I hear is uh, something like Suits. Something like Suits. Okay, so the um, the actor who plays um, Miles is named Tug Coker, and his picture on IMDb his, his name is Tug, which I really like. His picture on IMDb is like him in a suit, um, and like like a still from a show. And I thought it would have been incredible if he was actually in suits and I would have like lost it, but he wasn't. So oh, it's he too played bad. Jim's brother on the office. Oh, so there you go. He is. That's, Tug. that's what the, now you, you listeners, you get what you came for. Yep. You know, you wanted to hear that. Um, so speaking of scooter, the secret villain of the entire season. Yeah. Uh, he has a scale that we must abide by when ranking episodes. 
zero to five corn dogs. Aaron, how many corn dogs oh, would you God. give this episode? Um, I'm gonna give it a four point two five. Four point two five. Yep. Um, I think that it was appropriately. I think I said this last time, but I think it was like an appropriate mix of action and emotion. I liked, um, as you said, like once you pointed them out to me, I liked the callbacks to the first season, the first, like the premiere. Um, I liked Chuck stepping up to the plate. Um, there were like uh, the things that I mentioned that, that could have been a little bit more developed, but overall, I think like it was a really good. Could have been a really good finale for the show and was a really good finale for the season. I think they took everything, all of the good things that the season had built up and made them into a uh, fitting conclusion. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. I would, I would rank it fairly highly. But only 4.25? 4.25? Well, out of five. Yeah, that's like an A minus. Okay. I, um, I'm going to be wild and crazy today and I'm going to give. give I'm going to give it five. Hell yeah. Woo, five I, corn dogs. Much like your review, which really didn't point out that much negative, except for you wanted some things to be more developed. Um, I was just like, yeah, this episode, it's got the emotions. It's got action. It's got charm. It's got plot development. It's got resolution. It's It's got a hell of a cliffhanger. I couldn't ask for anything more. I am, You know what? Okay. I'm going to give it 4.5. Okay. There you go. We're bumping it up. Sometimes I finish watching these episodes of Chuck and I'm like, that was an episode of Chuck. And then I move on with my life. But sometimes they're so good. I'm like, I got to get more Chuck. And I'm just, you know, are you going to watch what are you, are you going to watch season three once we finish recording? Um, Probably not that soon, but I am looking forward to it. And I was just like, yes, that was a, a good season. And I think more importantly, I think I understand and I understood this before when I watched this as a teenager, why the uh, save Chuck movement occurred. Yes. After this, I think yeah. that it is a testament to not only the show that it had this kind of emotional response from people, but also the fact that you left this show on such a massive cliffhanger. You know, people want to know what happens next. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a hell of a cliffhanger. It is. Well, we'll we'll find out uh, what happens once now that Chuck knows Kung Fu. He does. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't know. But before we get to that, we're going to go back through season two. Uh, we're going to look at the DVD bonus features that I have in the DVD box set of season two. I also am going to try to, uh, I don't know, maybe watch the 3D episode the way that it was intended oh, yes, to be viewed. yes, you have to. I have to. So uh, stay tuned for that episode. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we will get some bottles of champagne to drink out of. That'd be a nice touch. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. For us, for us and no one else. Although, I guess if you're listening at home, you can do that as well, as long as you're yeah. over 21. Yes, exactly. No underage drinking, please. And you're not driving um, yeah. or operating heavy machinery. We will get our tuxedos ready for that and our champagne, and we will see you then. Until then, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy. My name is Aaron Arado, letting you know that anything is possible. Anything is possible, just like possible. Chuck getting, out, getting the intersect out of his head and then back into his head. Turned it back in. Ellie having her dream wedding that, you know, provided all the meaning that she needed in her life. Yep. All that. All right. I'm going to head to the Goodwill and get a wedding dress so I can uh, practice uh, sitting in my bathtub. Okay. Sounds good. I uh, look forward to seeing photos. So we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.